Okay. Hey, hey there. I am Stephanie. Here is Horatius. I know it's not a word. It's not a word, but in my vocabulary, it's it. But I'm the inspirationist by way of podcast, Read Inspirations via Instagram, and Steph Archie Reed by way of Facebook. Welcome to my Zoom pot slash podcast, Facebook, Instagram, whatever today. I want to thank you all for listening today. You all that listen know my listen to my podcast, um, you know that I don't do long preliminaries, but I am going to do something short today. I, I, I'm basically straight into the subject and to the point on hand. But I did work in adoptions for a number of years and have obtained degrees in human development. So you can see that my life has been centered around human behavior. So, but today I will be interviewing Mr. Ellis Jenkins, who has survived. I say that word because many youth that have been in the foster care system, their lives have ended traumatically. And I know that because I've worked in the system. But Mr. Jenkins' story has resonated with me for a number of years. We've known each other for a number of years. He will share living in foster care, the traumatic experiences that he faced, and how he overcame many obstacles. We'll talk about from college to football coach. And I believe now he'll let you know he's working in computers. I, mean, no, I don't know specifically exactly where. Welcome to my podcast slash Facebook, whatever, it, wherever this goes. Welcome today, Mr. Jenkins. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm going to dive right into my questions here. So um, we've met a number of years and um, we, we, we later found out, it was just ironic and it will probably go into conversation, but I'm going to start my first question with this. Okay, you had a troubled life as a youth. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Uh, as a youth, uh, started, uh, I was born in San Francisco, California. Um, you know, grew up in the Fillmore District and Hunters Point District. Uh, grew up, uh, family was either uh, selling drugs, on drugs. Uh, I grew up in like the, the split economy. I grew up in where things were pretty good. And then later on, early 80s, uh, crack cocaine became uh, epidemic in, in our majority ghettos and neighborhoods, especially the two neighborhoods I grew up in. Uh, I actually first grew up, uh, we had a lot of pimping going on in our neighborhoods. And then after that early age, crack cocaine became uh, very strong in our communities. And uh, my family was heavily involved, either selling it or using it. So I grew up around it. Uh, it wasn't shielded from me. So uh, actually saw crack get cooked, crack get sold. Uh, I've even started out as a lookout kid when I was younger, making sure when police came to the neighborhood, uh, I would yell out rollers, uh, which mm. was a terminology for cops. And I'll yell out rollers. And uh, once I do that, that will alert you know, a neighborhood dealers that uh, cops are coming. So this is like six, uh, I'm like six, seven years old at the time. Mm, wow. Wow. So you were, were you practically like born into that, that yeah. type of lifestyle? Yeah. My mom, my uncles and aunties were all uh, involved in one way or the other, either selling it or using it. So, and it, it, and it was like a way of life for us because even my, my good friends at the time, uh, it was the same in their family. Either parents were selling it or using it. So it wasn't something where someone can say, oh, that's wrong. 
when everybody is doing it, it, it was just seems, a norm. It just yeah. seemed like a norm for you. Yeah, that it happens. seems right. Yeah, because when your circle and your, your inner circle and outer circles are all involved somehow, it just seems normal. Yes, yes. So um, as time went on, you ended up in the uh, – when did you first enter the foster care system? Uh, first time I, I went, uh, we was actually living in Reno. Um, okay. you know, my mom was moving around a lot. Um, she had ended up moving to Reno. I was actually living in Oakland. Uh, this is about, uh, let's see, fifth, fifth, sixth and seventh grade, uh, no fifth and sixth grade. I was in Oakland, but back and forth from Oakland to Reno. And the first time I, I, dealt with the system uh, uh my mom had gotten a car accident mm. and we didn't have no family in reno so naturally they just uh put us in the system uh because my mom was in the hospital and uh so yeah they just put us in the system uh, me and my little brother and mm. i was just like it, it was crazy because uh once you get in the system it's scary because you, you don't know especially in that situation because i don't know if my mom is all right they allowed me to go to the hospital to see her. Uh, she was a little banged up. And, um, but once you're in that system, I had to be protective of my little brother, uh, which was, was kind of scary because I had to protect him and make sure nobody, you know, said nothing to him and make sure he understood what was going on. I had to make sure that he was safe. Uh, so it, that was a scary part about it, not knowing what tomorrow holds, but that was the uh, first time I ever uh, dealt with the system. How, how old were you then? Uh, I believe I was, I think that like sixth grade, I think like 10 or 11, something like that. Mm, mm, mm. So how was, how were the foster parents? Because a lot of people talk about foster parents and how mean they are. What was your experience when you first went in the system? In, in, in that situation, it wasn't as bad. I mean, it was just funny because I'm black and living with a white family. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so it's kind yeah. of hard to lie about that when you get dropped off at school. You know, I can't say that's my, my, my cousins and my, my aunties and uncles. So uh, you see how dark I am. So I couldn't get away with that one. But uh, that one was short-lived. So it wasn't like I didn't uh, – uh, and it, it was just weird, you know. You have to listen to somebody, and it's not a family member, not even a friend. So it's different. It was like my mom's friend that she, I've known all my life. But it was different. So it was a little, it was a little weird. Uh, but that that time it was short lived. I believe I was only in it for like two weeks. And then my mom uh, got out the hospital. How did you feel uh, being separated from your mom and your family? Well, you had already kind of separated because you guys had moved to, to Reno and you guys were there solely there. There's a family on yourself. But uh, can you explain kind of the emotions that you kind of went through? Um, uh, uh, separation? Well, see, and the separation when I was younger uh, was warranted because of a situation that happened. So I knew my mom had to uh, go away for a second. Uh, and then I lived with my auntie in Oakland. So, uh I was still with family. So it, the, the separation really wasn't, it just felt like I was just standing out of my auntie house for a long time. So and then I had my cousins there. And so I still had my family and I understood the situation. Uh, but in that situation, being separated from her, I, I couldn't focus on it because I was too worried about watching over my little brother. Cause my little brother was like uh, four years younger than me. 
So if I'm 10 at the time, you know, he's six. Mm. So, you know, I had to just, I had to be protected. I had to be his protector. So uh, I couldn't focus on what my mom was going through. So I was too busy uh, worrying about protecting him and making sure he was okay emotionally and mentally. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um. So you were, that was the one time you were in the system, but you ended up back in the system again. Was it more of a permanent situation that the next time you ended up in the system? Yeah, the second time, we, we, moved, to, we moved to Sacramento, uh, December mm-hmm. 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at this time, my mom is now uh, really focused on, uh, as she call it, rededicating her life to Christ. So uh, at, this, at this time, when, when she's doing that, it's, it's kind of hard for me because, you know, I, I didn't live in Oakland, San Francisco. Uh, Reno and then back to Oakland and then back to Reno. So by the time we moved to Sacramento, I, I'm pretty much grown. You know, mm. I, uh, you know, growing up in San Francisco, I, you know, I basically had to, my mom made me a, a man at five. Mm. So as soon as my little brother was born, I, I was more like a father figure to him than a, than a big brother. I had to learn how to cook. Uh, in elementary, my mom started working. She was trying to get her life together. So I would travel from one side of San Francisco to another side of San Francisco to make sure I dropped him off at daycare. I went to elementary school. So, so uh, yeah, so I, I was, by the time I moved to Sacramento at 12 years old, I was, I felt I was grown. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a little different for me because the way Sacramento was operating, uh, you know, Sacramento had two, they had three sides of Sacramento. You had the church side, the street side, and the sports side. Yeah. Uh, so nine times ten, the people that I was around were more involved in the streets and sports. Uh, and then a couple was involved in church. Uh, so, you know, me growing, I grew up in church in, in San Francisco. So uh, when, when we got here, I was like, okay, this is new for me because and then gang activity was very high then. So that had nothing to do with me. Because I didn't come from a gang culture, I came from a, a hustling culture. Mm. So mm. it was like, okay, uh, this should be good. I, I shouldn't be able to get in any trouble here. Uh, wrong. Got in some trouble <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because just my mentality and my demeanor. Uh, you know, I'm a street kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I come from a hustling background, from a street background. So the people that I was involved with uh, when I moved to Sacramento. The, oh, I hung out with the older crowd, so they, they were kind of the same hustlers. So I fell right in line with them. Uh, the number one rules is for me not to ever gangbang. Just you know, stay neutral, uh, keep the hustler's mentality. So got into a lot of things. Uh, I tried to avoid getting into fights because I told my mom I wouldn't fight no more. Uh, I think that lasted for like a weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so it it just uh, I just got I got into some trouble and. My mom like kind of had enough, so I ended up in juvenile hall, mm-hmm. and uh, she said she wasn't gonna come and get me. She was like, "No, nah, I'm not. Oh. I'm not coming to get you." Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know about now. Well, now they don't let you do it. I, I tried with my oldest son when he was younger, <laughs> but <laughs> it, that scare straight stuff uh, mm-hmm. that we went through, they don't let you do it now. So when I was younger, my mom, uh, you have to pay a restitution fee when your when your children are locked up in juvenile hall. Mm. So she said she didn't care. She'd pay it. Uh, she she wanted me to stay in there. And uh, the judge, Judge Lytle, I remember her name to this day. Judge Lytle told me I didn't belong in juvenile hall. Mm. Uh, she she had got my my uh, uh, background from um, Reno, 
And uh, she was just like, look like you've been through a lot. And mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I've, been, I've been through some things. Uh, so she put me in like a group home. Yeah, she said I didn't deserve to be in the juvenile hall. I should be in the group home. Uh, so in the group home, you you have these uh, foster parents that will come and say that they're gonna uh, take you out of the group home and you move in to their group. Home. Well, it wasn't a group; it was a boys' home. So they were like you can move in with them. And so, uh, you know, it's weird because they have you dress up like like. I was being auctioned off. I had to dress up, uh, you know, knowing I don't wear a tie to the house all day. Now I got to put on a tie and, and sit there and be put on the auctioning block. That's that's kind of how I felt. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was just funny. Like people come and I was just like, yeah, I'd rather stay in this, this boy's home. But you had a limitation in that boy's home because they had to keep recycling people in and out. Mm. Uh, so it got to a point they were like, well, you know, we might have to put you back in juvenile hall because you're not accepting any of these uh, families. So I was like, All right, well, I just have to go back to juvenile hall. So you had a choice, right? You had a choice if you wanted yeah. to go or not. With the yeah, family. yeah. With the family. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, um, it had to be like a perfect match. Oh, okay. So okay. they have to say, yes, they want you, and then you have to uh, feel kind of the same way, or what will happen is they'll just put you up for an adoption mm. and you don't have no say if no family it is it, weird that I'm talking about it. I, I didn't understand at the time. It's like, uh, they'll put you up for adoption. If none of your family claims you, it's almost kind of feel like slavery. I don't know what slavery felt like, but <laughs> I'll talk about well, it. Yeah. That's I mean, almost how auction, I feel. Yeah. You know, kind of, so. Auction off. I mean, you know, yeah. I, yeah I, so, that. So uh, what happened was um, I'm sitting there one day and a, and a man show up and uh, he, he said, you know what? We had a conversation and he said, I'm going to come back and get you. And I'm, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And so uh, a week later, he comes back and they was like, all right, but, you know, and I've, at this time I'd have made friends with the staff. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. one of the staff members, like two of the staff members, like my big brothers to this day. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm at that time, I'm 14. So I'm 43 now and I still talk to these two. So it was, uh, I became like friends with the staff. And so when the man came back, they was like, okay, you know, you're about to go. And I was like, okay. Uh, so when he picked me up, you know, his, his main thing was, uh, you know, uh, in my household, we go to church. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I can respect that. You know, like I grew up in one of the biggest churches in San Francisco. My uncle at the time was a pastor, and now he's a retired bishop. But I told him, you know, my uncle was, was a big time pastor. And then he said, uh, oh, what was his name? What's his name? So you know, I told him, uh, you, know, uh, you know, at the time it was Reverend Donald Green. And uh, he was like, that's crazy. That's, that's my mom's cousin's name. Mm. And I'm like, okay, now we've been in Sacramento since 89. We only had one, two set, two family members out here that I ever knew of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one was the Keys and the Barnetts. Those were the only family members that we had out here. Uh, so um, I, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I, I don't think anything of it. But we keep talking and we, we, we keep talking. So, 
we go straight uh, to his mom's house. And when we get there, she looks at me and go, are you a Lewis? And I'm like, no, my last name is Jenkins, but I have Lewis's in my family. My, my, my great-grandfather is a Lewis. And then she asked his name, and when I told her, she's like, that's my uncle. Wow. And so... <laughs> you found out you, you got in a foster home where you were related to, got into, to the so family. As I got older, I just said, God just placed me back, in, back home. That's amazing. Uh, wow. That story, I don't know the odds of people ever being in that situation, especially when it comes to the, the foster system. Yeah. But now, so, do, you, do you believe the foster system works or should some things be changed? I worked in the system, as, and when I came out of it, uh, they were making a lot of changes in there. So what are your thoughts on that? It depends on who the, who the foster parent is. Um, you know, my, my best friend, uh, his mom, Miss Jackson, uh, God rest her soul, she was a foster parent. And so she she did everything to make sure the, the foster kids had uh, best clothing, make sure they had the best education, make sure they was always fed. So it depends on uh, the foster parent. Because don't get me wrong, and you know whoever watches this, they, they may feel offended by it. But some uh, foster parents do a financial gain. Yes, I've heard that a lot. Yes. And um, so those... those uh, those type of people who do it for fi financial gain, it's, it's not good mm -hmm. um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's money per child. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you already working and then you, you getting that money, so like I said, like with Ms. Jackson, she made sure that money went to those kids. Mm -hmm. She made sure that money went to their health care, went to, went to they, they clothes, school supplies, things like even have fun, you know? Uh, so, when it's done the right way, yes, it's beneficial. When it's not done the right way, you're just doing it for financial gain. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe uh, that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So um, now, you know, you know, fast forwarding ahead, you aged out of the system. Most of you aged out at 18, right? Did you age uh, out? Yeah. At 18. So then your life starts to evolve, and so you begin to connect, and you begin to have your own children. Yes. And so uh, you had a son at the particular time some years ago. You had a son who was facing going into the foster care, uh, when you learned about it, uh, what did you do and why did you do that? Uh, my, my oldest son uh, was placed in foster, the foster system. Uh, he was living with my, my cousin, uh, my cousin Chandra at the time uh, because of, uh, it's crazy. Like one day he was living with me and I dropped him off at his mom's house because I, I was a little different. Um, it was Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, you know, that's her day. So even though he was living with me, I figured, you know, this is your mom's day. I dropped him off. He was supposed to stay for the weekend. I wanted to go pick him up on Monday. She was like, can he just stay another day? I just wanted another day with him. So I said, yes, I'll go back to get him on a Tuesday. The apartment is boarded up. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's two, he's two or three at the time. So I'm like, okay, well, I try to call her. Phone's not working. I said, okay, you know, somehow she should, you know, give me a call. Uh, one day went to one week. One week went to one month. One month went to one year. One year turned into two years. Two years turned into three. So I kind of gave up looking for him. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and I was just like, okay, I'm going to move. So I moved to uh, Las Vegas mm -hmm. and, um, 
I, out of nowhere, the, they called my mom and my mom called me. And so being that I was in Las Vegas, they were like, well, who's the closest family member that can get him? So my cousin Sean was like, I'll go and get him. You know, just stay with me until you can get back to uh, to uh, California. But uh, they made me go through uh, a lot. Mm-hmm. I had to go through parenting classes. I had to go through a reunification system plan. You thought that I lost him, you know. So I had to go through all this stuff uh, just to get him back. That was time consuming because I was in. Las Vegas, so I'll come back and forth to court. And I remember the lawyer told me, my lawyer was like, you got to fight this case in California, you know, just just to show good faith that, you know, you really want him. And I'm like, I'm doing everything they asked me to do. So what happens is my cousin, I mean, God bless her soul, she did the best that she can, but I mean, she didn't have no kids. You know, she, you know, she was young at the time, you know, had her own place and, and good job. So she kind of was like, I'm trying to keep him until you're able to get back here. So, you know, she did the best that she can, so he ended up in the system. So the day he went to the system, I got a phone call, and um, I, I had a little little Honda. I hopped in it, gassed him up for like 30 uh-huh. bucks, mm-hmm. drove straight here to Sacramento, and uh, started the process. Uh, so I had to go to court, and then they were trying to adopt him uh, because his mom at the time, I believe, she had seven kids at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my son being the second oldest. So I believe out of the seven kids, everybody was already adopted. Mm-hmm. A set of, uh, he has a sister that was born after him. She was living with her dad. So my whole thing was, okay, well, let me get the ball rolling. So all this time, you know, I'm getting the ball rolling. And uh, I end up, I end up gaining uh, full custody of him. And uh, they end up dropping the, parental rights on uh, his biological mom and that was that was really a, a i remember that you told me about that before that was really a challenge uh in getting him for you to come to come and get him uh even with the system working trying to work with the system and i've seen this a lot where social workers will try to because i worked in adoptions they will force especially with the fathers they will force that child into adoption and avoid yeah, uh, different areas with the father. They will say they attempted to reach the father via publicly, no response. And I've seen fathers come back and fight it and win, and some come back and fight it and lose. And I think that was your challenge in court was a social worker, but the judge tended to he overrid yeah. overrid that. The, the uh, adoption, the adoption uh, lady uh, agent, I guess that's what she was called. Her whole thing was for him to get adopted. Mm-hmm. And so the judge kept saying, uh, well, until you find some type of legal grounds mm-hmm. or something that this man is doing that he doesn't deserve his son, I, I'm I'm going to rule in favor of the father because mm-hmm. it seemed like you just want to win a case. Mm-hmm. And that's what it was. She just she was just trying to win a case because mm-hmm. uh, I did everything. I took the I, I even had to go to anger management class. I, was like, yeah. I had to go to anger management yeah. class. I had to go to childhood development class i had to go to a parenting class i had to go through all these things then at the time i'm done with this now they the process was you have to have visit uh supervised visits visitations mm-hmm. and i'm like wow this is crazy like they're like well we need him to remember you so i brought a, a picture book mm-hmm. and when i showed them the picture book 
they showed the judge a picture book, and he's like, all right, enough is enough. Yeah. If you don't have good grounds by next time we kind of believe, I don't know why they call it recess. I've never been mm-hmm. on a, a two-month recess in elementary. But it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> we're going to yeah. take a recess, yeah. and when we come back in three weeks, uh, if you don't have any any you know, situations where we should not allow him to go to his father, I'm ruling in favor of the father. So the mm-hmm. lady came to me and it's like, uh, this is her exact words. You better take good care of this child. And I'm just going through so much emotion at the time where I just like, okay. But a part of me was like, uh, that's what I was doing since, since birth. Right. I was taking good, with good care of him, you know. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, well, foreseen unforeseen situation of his mom. T- and then I remember when, when she took him, I, I called the police to report a kidnapping. It wasn't a kidnapping because I didn't have custody. Oh boy, that's another problem, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. since he so lived with dynamics. me. So many dynamics, yeah. Yeah, he lived with me, but since I didn't have custody, she still had custody. Mm-hmm. But even though it, me and her had an agreement mm-hmm. that he would stay with me, mm-hmm. and I was paying child's uh, uh, daycare, and all this stuff was documented, uh, it, it still wasn't kidnapping because she legally had custody. So yeah, that I had, it was a lot. So uh, yeah, so they uh, the judge finally he ruled in my favor, wow. and uh, I got uh, uh, full rights and uh, full parenting rights, full uh, guardianship, and um, the topic came up of me uh, uh, wanting oh. Another thing, um, I had to pay rears while he's living with me. <laughs> I had to pay $10,000 of rears. So I'm paying child support for a child that lives with me. So, yeah, that that one was... Our system. Uh, Our, yeah, system. That, <laughs> Our system is something else. It, it really is. It, so over- that was crazy. <laughs> Excuse me. All of that that you've experienced in your life, and, and this is just, uh, he's giving just an overview, really, not really the di- dynamics of really things. We're just giving an overview at this point, and uh, it, it, it was really some serious things that he dealt with. Uh, even he was hit by a car at a young age. Hit by a truck first. I'm mean, hit by a truck, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hit I was by hit a by a truck, truck at, at mm-hmm. seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a three-month coma. Yeah, uh, yeah. My, yeah. My skull crashed. Yes. Yes, uh, and we're just centered around foster care today, but not even we didn't even get to the nitty nitty grain of what he's actually Mr. Ellis has been through. So I'm going to end with this question here. Tell us about your all that you've been through in life. Tell us about your accomplishments. Uh, you're married. You have a family. You currently coach football for high school. I mean, there's a lot of things that you've you had a drive in you to accomplish life and to be something in life and um, you're continually to excel. And by the way, even your mom has accomplished in life, even the, what she's went through in life, uh, you and your mom are, you know, you're, you're close now and uh, 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 you've, you've mended uh, uh, your, your, you know, whatever the life that you went through with her, you've kind of mended that together. Uh, every, everything always still comes with the challenges always, always there. And your mom is a, a, a baker. She owns her own business now. And she even has accomplished life despite what she came out of. But we want to talk about, tell us a little bit about yourself and your accomplishments. So the one thing in the name we didn't mention was who my foster parent was. So my foster father, who 
can't call him a foster father because I've always called him my father. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Archie. Kevin uh, Archie. When, yes. when he came, when he came into my life, he was the only man that came in my life that had no uh, background that was tarnished. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was what they call an old soul. Yeah. Uh, believe when he took me in, he was 22. Mm-hmm. So I was 14, he was 22. And, um, and we laughed about this all the time, but I was like, I would have not took me in. And uh, yeah. there's some other things I could have been doing at 20. There's some parties and some clubs I could have been <laughs> going to yeah. be taking care of a hard-headed 14-year-old that thinks mm-hmm. he's grown already. So mm-hmm. uh, it was the first man in my life that uh, showed, you know, taught me how to love, mm-hmm. taught me how to be a man. So, I mean, so those things I never had at the time growing up because mm-hmm. everything was uh, was a hustle-minded uh you know, barbaric mentalities. So I'm um, 14. So about, about uh, 15, 16, I'm starting to say, oh, you know what? I think I want to go to college now. Mm-hmm. Uh, before at that point, I don't know, college wasn't even in my plans, mm-hmm. but it was like, okay, you know, I want to go to, want to go to college. So uh, me and, me and uh, my friend uh, Ricky, we went to junior college and uh, junior college, uh, I met met two two men that ended up being my god brothers, uh, Daniel and Walter Saunders, and uh, they uh, Walter Saunders, my big brother, he taught me how to play uh, football. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was just playing, but now I know the rules, I know the training, I know everything that goes into it. Uh, so now, now I, I have more that I want to strive for. Uh, I come back '97, I coach at my high school, Luther Burbank. Uh, Coach Stacy Graves hired me, and then I got a scholarship I had to go play uh, football in uh, Alamosa, Colorado, mm-hmm. in '98. Uh, so now things are turning for me. Now I'm, I'm experiencing college life. I'm experiencing uh, different states, different cities. Uh, so when I move back, uh, I'm kind of like now at a crossroad. I don't know what to do. Um, so my mom, who was a uh, working at Hewlett Packard at the time. She was like, well, I'll, you know, get you hired on here. You know, she was like, well, once you get on, it's on you. And so that was 99. I've been in technology since 99. So, mm. uh, so that, uh, that's when the, the wheels started changing for me. And then, um, you know, once I, uh, got, you know, got my son back, uh, now at the time, I'm, uh, I'm uh, I have a fiance with my son. My son get I get him back in '06, so now I have a fiance. I have a family now. <clears throat> I have a uh, two. And you guys ones. were you guys? I'm sorry, you guys were high school. Kind of liked each other in high school, right? She liked me in high school. Oh boy, that's what, <laughs> that's what they all say. <laughs> yeah, she she was jocking me in high school. <laughs> we'll see what she says about that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we me and my wife we go back to high school. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, uh, so it's time is uh, me, my wife was my fiance at the time. I'm, I'm raising our two younger ones, uh, uh, Evan and Jasley at the time. I believe they are six and three at the time. So when I now get Jakari, uh, now there's three of us. So now well, it's five of us. And then, mm-hmm. uh, in the 90, I mean, in 08, uh, we welcome our youngest, Aaliyah. So you know, now I'm I'm, just, uh, I'm a parent. 
I'm coaching my two boys and that, you know, that turned into now coaching youth football. Mm-hmm. Now my, my younger brother, uh, Darius is, he's at the time like 10, I believe. Mm-hmm. So now I'm coaching him and my boys in basketball. And then, you know, my younger brother is now looking like an older brother to me because he's getting tall and big. So <laughs> he now is, uh, so now we fast forward to high school. He's playing high school ball. So I'm training him, making sure he has the proper training. Mm-hmm. And, Training my boys, and then you know, my little brother, as you know, because your nephew, <laughs> he he ends up going uh, college. You know, you know, he goes to college. He's playing college ball. He's getting his education, uh, which he graduated uh, with a degree this year. Mm-hmm. And my son is now playing ball. He's accomplishing a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes off to college. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my younger son, he goes back to college and wants to start playing ball and my younger daughter is graduating high school she graduated high school she's working at starbucks she's trying to become a nurse's aide and mm-hmm. my youngest daughter owns her own business right now at the age of 13 she and she can, can sing <laughs> and she she's can sing singer. she's a singer <laughs> so so as a father now you know i am uh, i'm learning how to be a non-judgmental father mm-hmm. uh that was one of the mistakes i was making as a father i was judging my kids too much and, Mm-hmm. Of, of what they were not achieving or what they were trying to achieve and mm-hmm. instead of just uh, letting them grow, letting them find out their own identity. So now I'm understanding that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I guess you can say I'm, I'm, I'm a happy father now. Uh, like yeah. I said, my, my youngest daughter is running her own baking business like her grandmother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I'm coaching at Valley High School. Right. My, going on my third year head varsity football coach and uh, football program coordinator. So, and working and you're for- you're feeding uh, into these young men life. I mean, he's literally yeah. finding, helping them to scout colleges out. He's the reason why Darius went into, uh, got into the college that he was in, uh, got accepted into the, the college he's in. He's a trainer. He trains these young men. And I mean, I've seen uh, Mr. Jenkins, uh, uh, pick the guys up and bring a man that didn't have a way to get there. And then he gets, gets them at home, has to go to bed and get up for work. And he really feeds, when I say feeds into our young men's lives, he really does feed into their young, their lives. And he looks out uh, for their future also. Yeah. He looks out for their future also. So I, 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 I want to think I've always admired you. I've always admired you. We, we've had our little, many little conversations, but um, um, I've admired your accomplishments. I've always admired uh, uh, from where you came from. And like, to me, you are an example of, of that uh, life does not end in foster care. You know, you are an example of that because a lot of the youth in foster care, because I worked in the system, uh, once they reach 18, they either were dead in prison or homeless. And that was a, that was a major issue uh, within the foster care system, and they were in the process of making changes to my, to try to make uh, these children more, put them in a more permanent uh, situation. And then, too, you really don't know, even if you go into a permanent situation, but you are an example, and I really thank you for allowing me to interview you, interview you today. Uh, any last words you would like to share with, uh, with, with, any, with everyone? Uh, one key thing about, you know, does foster because uh, one of your your key topics was does foster care work? Mm-hmm. Uh, even the way it's, it's structured now, and my my uh, answer to that is 
depending on the home that uh, these uh, the placement home. Uh, thank God that I was only in the system. Mm-hmm. It's funny because the one thing my mom said growing up, don't ever, don't ever have them folks in my business. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that was a, that was one thing. Uh, you know, no matter what goes on in life, I don't ever want them folks in my business. Yeah. And so I guess them folks meant the 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 the, uh, the system. So yeah. Uh, yeah. But I was only in foster care for. Uh, I believe it was like five months because mm-hmm. once once it was learned that I was actually placed back into a family mm-hmm. that I was related to. Yeah. It was up to my, it was up to my dad. Yeah, yeah. It was up to my dad to, you know, cause you got to remember mm-hmm. he is getting paid for me at this time. Right. And remember he's only 22 at the time. So that's, right. that's good money on top of him already working. Right. Uh, right. So uh, they released me out of the system uh, after six months. Yeah. I, I'm glad uh, you brought that up. Because that's one of the things that they look to do is place them with family members or relative because that child is more familiar. But in your situation, you weren't familiar. You didn't mm-hmm. find out until after the fact. Yeah. So, and and, uh, and like I said, uh, he, he could have easily been like, mm, yeah, keep yeah. this bread. Yeah. yeah. That was only 99 cent at the time. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. So, uh, so that's it. My, my situation is, 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 uh, it's a blessing and yeah. you're not going to get, you might get a 10 percentile of blessings in the system. Yeah. The system is not a blessed situation. So because it's a financial gain on, on some ends and that that's, you know, the root of all evil is finances is money. So I, I, I was just blessed in my situation to be placed in, in, in the home. And, um, and that, that was my father. Mm-hmm. It's his, his, his last day. So, yes. Yes. I never called him nothing different. I never called him, nor his brother and sisters, mom and dad, nothing but grandma, grandpa, aunt, yeah. and uncle, yeah. and father. So sure did. And you was accepted as so. Yep. <laughs> Part of the family. Well, I just want to thank you for interviewing today. And I'm going to um in this interview. Um and thank you all for listening to this uh other podcast or it could be a zoom on my facebook page whichever way it comes to you thank you and please give me some feedback like share subscribe to my pages and thank you once again